You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. This is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In this week's program, Father Paul concludes his reading of Genesis chapter 1, which continues the theme of the belittling of man. Father Paul will explain that man is reduced and presented as one of the other creatures created with the other animals on the sixth day. The difference for man, Father Paul explains, lies in his function. In verse 26, we have the first mention of Adam without the definite article. But, Father Paul observes, beginning with verse 27 until the end of chapter 4, it has the definite article, something that would never be noticeable in translation. Adam versus Ha-Adam. Father Paul will explain why this is important. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on Tarazi Tuesdays, the Bible as Literature podcast. The end of chapter 124 through 31 details the divine action on the sixth day. But let me go for a recap because, again, things are interconnected. I said that chapters 1 through 4 are misread because the Greco-Roman intelligentsia zeroes in on anthropocentrism, that big ego that was launched especially by Plato. And they think that everything revolves around the human being. I mean, just hear how the people speak about Genesis 1 and 2. They immediately zero in on the creation or the making of the human being and the image and likeness of God. And they go on and on and on and on, even, you know, in Orthodox theology, you know, you're created in the image, but you have to do a push to get to become into the likeness, into this spiritual mysticism. I mean, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable what one can do. Obviously, it is possible if you play on words, you know, and you give them the meaning that you want to give them. Now, when we remember that Adam, per se, his story begins in chapter 5, where we have his Toledot, whereas in chapter 1 through 4, we don't have the story of Adam. We have the story of heavens and earth, and more specifically earth, as I said, within which there is Adam with the other creatures. Very important, including the vegetation. So I cannot stress this enough. You may hear me again and again and again, because only when you submit to this reality of the text will you be able to comprehend what the author is really saying, not what you want him to say? Because ultimately it becomes, as many theologians do and philosophers, uh, they use the Bible to promote their own philosophy. Why the Bible? Sometimes I tell them, why would you need the Bible? Just say whatever you want. But the answer is very clear, because the Bible has become 
a major facet book in Western literature. And by appealing to it, you can channel more forcefully your own thoughts. In other words, you pervert the teaching of Scripture for your own self and your own promotion. So let's keep this in mind. And I said enough in the last two podcasts about the fact that there is an interconnection. You know, the mention of the human being as a nefesh haya, a living creature or a living being, is already preceded by the reference to the fish. Not even the birds, let alone the mammals, as living creatures. The same thing we hear about bara. Everybody thinks that bara is an important word and it's used about man. But it was used already in verse 21, where the text says, God yibra, yibra, and he created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. So if you hear the text and not begin with your theological premise, the man, if you like, is shrunk in the total vision of the earth and made as one of the other creatures. And now I come to the sixth day where very clearly it is so, because on the sixth day, we have the animals of the earth and the human beings that are created together. And the more striking is that the animals are not blessed, which is very funny, when earlier the fish were blessed and the birds were blessed. So obviously the author is doing something here. What the author is doing is to give you the message that the animals and the human beings are blessed together in one blessing. And thus, basically, and we know that from physiology and medicine, there is no difference between the human being and the animals, body-wise, function-wise. So one is prepared to understand the message of Scripture, that the difference is functional. The human being has a responsibility. In other words, he will be made to be the shepherd of the flock. But then the reality for God, as is very evident from Ezekiel 34, it's not the shepherds, it is the flock. That is the reality. And then it's shepherd together with the flock. Ezekiel 34 should be read once a week by my hearers. You know, just read it again and again and again and again. And even at the end of the chapter, very interestingly, after having dealt with the shepherds, he deals with the sheep. He's going to judge the sheep, how they treat one another. It is powerful. Everyone 
is accountable before God. But the shepherd more, obviously, because the shepherd has the responsibility. It's like when something goes wrong in your household, they are not going to go to your children. You are responsible. However, the children themselves are also accountable for what they do. So coming from this perspective, it becomes striking when they hear the text on its own ground. It begins by saying in 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the earth. Now, Many things are going on here. I mean, it's, uh, and I have to go in detail, but I'm asking my readers really to go to my book and read carefully. It's page after page after page. It is striking that the first mention of Adam is simply Adam, which connotes the specific human being whose name is Adam. Obviously, it is parabolic that he is the first Adam, and thus his personal name is Adam. But it is without the definite article. Why is this important? Because beginning with the following verse 27, we hear, and so God created, so in 26, God is speaking to himself, and he's going to do something. In 27, we hear that created man, that's the same bara as with the monsters of the sea. He created man, but beginning with that verse 27, until the end of chapter 4, systematically, we hear ha-adam, the man, which again is very hard to render in English. Because hear it in English, then God said, let us make man in our own image. And then so God created man in his own image. One can never perceive the difference intended by the author. Let me repeat, starting with 27, systematically, we have the human being. And then suddenly in 5.1, we have Adam as the individual. So, as you're hearing it as literature, you realize that the author has already this human being in mind, which is the same human being with whom he shall deal in chapter 5. But functionally, it is different. It is as though you are teaching a class and you're taking another class. This happens. Okay. In the class in which you're teaching, you are the teacher. You're not one of the class. You don't say, I'm taking this class where you are teaching. You're taking the other class. So, I would like my hearers to practice this. 
get away from essentials. I, it is I, there is no I. There is a function. How many times you heard me say that uh, during liturgy, I'm the celebrant, I'm the priest. During coffee hour, I'm not the priest. I mean, I, everybody calls me Father Paul just because they are used to, but functionally, I'm not the priest. Okay, so let's keep this in mind. Very important, very important. So there is this play. It sounds complicated, but as I said last time, you know, it is not complicated. It is complex. And again, someone hearing the text in the original and submitting to it, not philosophizing about it, okay, you get more readily the message. Another push in this same direction, where ultimately the text is belittling the human being. And with this, my statement goes against the grain of classical theology. It is harnessing the human being. Why? For a very simple reason, that when you look around yourself and you go into the rest of the story of the human being, he behaves. Plato was able to fool us because... Deep in our being, we behave platonically. We think that we are the center of the universe. Notice later how Cain will build a city and call it by the name of his son. And my criticism on that, which we shall hear about it later, that in the words of Ezekiel, he is making out of a being of flesh, a being of stone. So all these things are in the Bible. So please put up with me a little bit for the next few podcasts, and I'm sure we'll get somewhere at least for the honest among you that really would like to hear what the Bible is saying. Besides moving from Adam to Ha'adam, we have also something else. First of all, let me take about this image and likeness. This is a pair of words that in literature express the indeedness of something. Like for instance, you have the word ire and wrath. I mean, two different words in Hebrew. Very often they are on their own and they mean what they mean. But you can play on that by combining them. You say... I shall render my ire and my wrath. It's much more powerful. And this is how image and likeness work. As a pair, like when you want to express the totality, you say heavens and earth. Heavens, obviously, is not so functional in the text. It's earth. But to express the totality, it's like when you say, and we're going to hear this soon, men and women. You can say the human beings, men and women is more powerful, or adults and children. And everybody knows, everybody knows that all of these statements mean the same thing, which is everybody. Okay, it's stress inclusiveness. So listening to image and kindness is very interesting. Let me say a few words about that. 
The image is from the root that means shadow, a reflection. We have two letters for shadow and an addition of a third letter for the image, the reflection. And in that sense, here we have, as I'll show you with the use of the other verbs and so on, the fact that the human being behaves the way a king that behaves. A king is still a human being and he's going to die. We hear it so often in the Psalms. But while he is king, he is the responsible for the city. He is the father of the city. And thus, everybody else are his children and they are in his image. The same way as the king is the image of God. And this is the meaning of the text that God is assigning the human being to be the leader, if you like, of the rest of creation, the way when he chooses David or Saul or Solomon as king, they are human beings, but functionally they are the king they rule. So image is very powerful in this sense. And in my book, I give a lot of examples. You can do it yourself. You know, you will see how it is used throughout the Bible. The other is likeness, and to make a long story short, I mean, if you know Arabic, you, you guess immediately, it's from a root that in Arabic until now we use to refer to a doll. What's a doll? It's something that you make up, you shape into the shape of a human being or an animal or whatever. So very simple. The two words connect together, but again, let's remember, it is a functionality. So we should throw away once and for all, all these patristic acrobatics about the image, where it is and so on, and in which sense and so on. I just explained it to you. But again, this is not enough because the text continues and tell you in which sense the human being is to behave according to this function. You see, everything boils down to behavior. In my book, repeatedly I said, the problem with theology is that it deals with essences, with what you are or something is per se. There is no per se. It is a position of function you take. When you're sleeping, you are a sleeper. When you're playing, you are a player. You remember how many times I said to my students that in the Semitic languages, it's oxymoronic to say a retired player because player and playing are the same word in Semitic languages. So how could you be retired and still playing? Playing, I mean, you can play in your backyard, but you're not anymore a player on a given team. Come on, friends, you know that. But in Arabic now, we say retired player. We have to say it because, you know, that's what everybody says in other languages and so on. But technically, you should say, I used to be a player and now I'm retired. Try it, repeat after me. I used to be a player and now I'm retired. Like until now, people say that I'm still Father Paul and I'm still the professor and so on. I'm not because I'm not functioning as a parish priest. 
and I'm not functioning as a teacher or a professor. As simple as that. Okay, what are you doing, Father Paul? I'm retired. That's how I force people to speak to me here in North Carolina. Then they are forced to say, "So, what were you used to do?" Aha! There we go. I used to. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.